All right, lovely. Welcome to Cassette Tape Radio. It's me, Talia Randall. How you doing? This is a little bonus episode featuring a short interview I did with Oberon White, a queer Welsh cabaret performance artist. You might have already listened to episode 11, which features a poem slash soundscape by Oberon. It's an excerpt from their show, Wine God. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I urge you to. In this bonus episode, Oberon and I chat in more detail about Wine God. It was a show that explored queer icons and took inspiration from mythology, specifically a Greek figure called Dionysus, which you might know as the god of wine. Side note, the Roman term or name for this similar mythological figure is Bacchus. You might have heard of that too. Anyway, Oberon was really interested in Dionysus as a queer figure and all the cultural historical references to this icon. I found this really interesting, particularly because there has been so much erasure of queer history, identity, mythology, and I thought it was really important to find out more about those ideas. So, Oberon and I had a little chat. So here it is, a little bonus episode of Cassette Tape Radio. Um, so just generally, tell us a bit about your work anyway. So when you're not in lockdown, reading mm-hmm. and baking edibles, <laughs> <laughs> or furloughed from your part-time non-arts job, yeah. what? who are you and what do you do? Um, so... Um, I'm a multidisciplinary artist, uh, like you know, like a lot of it's, other people these days. Uh, it's so hard. I can't say that myself without doing that funky <laughs> special voice. Well, I'm a little artist. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm a, an artist working primarily in performance, a mixture like of kind of live art or like experimental theatre, uh, as well as kind of like cabaret and drag, and mm. music and sound is always pretty central to what's going on and I do like sound design as well for other people um so yeah that'll that that smorgasbord of of stuff really and if someone was to come to your performance say in you know a post-vaccine or pre-corona world what sort of thing might they expect well one thing that's been a big part of my like practice is the idea of kind of looking at uh, queer and like marginalized kind of stories and histories and things mm. uh, and also kind of holding space for people in a sort of kind of like seeing the bringing to the forefront the kind of like ritual aspect of mm. performance and kind of holding space for people in that sense uh, so mm. kind of there's there's a sense of kind of I don't know, like curating a ritual or like a ceremony with the sound and everything and like creating something which is sort of experiential, I guess, in that Mm. way. But just seeing what happens with like bodies in spaces, really. And then and then alongside of that, with the more kind of anarchic, like playful sort of things in like cabaret and like club spaces, that's Mm. like the other kind of like side to to what I do. And those those two halves sort of inform each other, I guess. Yeah, because you tend to perform in lots of quite different spaces to each Mm. other. So you perform work, you know, on bars in nightclubs. You perform Mm -hmm. a lot with Block Nine at Glastonbury. You perform in theatre spaces, in gallery spaces. So, And Mm. you you sort of said to me that you really liked bringing in... Because you're you're classically trained as well, right? Mm. Yeah, as a singer. You enjoyed bringing more kind of classical or ritual 
type performances into a nightclub space, but also yeah, bringing yeah. that anarchic, you know, bodies in spaces, improvisation into kind of more restrictive spaces like a gallery or a theatre. Definitely. Can you talk a little bit about why that's in- interesting or important to you? Well, I think it's about um, like freeing up the material from the expectations of the context or form. Mm. Because I think if you, I mean, if you t- just take the, the classical stuff as an example, obviously that like that is like so bound up with uh, perceptions of like who it's for and yeah, and um, and who can access these things generally. And I think that informs how people. Uh, you know receive the the work itself whereas yeah. when you if you, you if you like divorce it from that like context or space or whatever it is you you're you can bring it to different people and also it helps people to just like hear or see the hear it with fresh ears or see it with fresh eyes for instance and, and you can you can totally recontextualize it mm-hmm. um so I think that's... like singing something operatic but in a nightclub or yeah totally totally yeah yeah that sort of thing like taking like a you know like a like a classical aria or whatever and then yeah performing a kind of like strange ritual in a Mm -hmm. in a gay bar or something you know like yeah Yeah. that's definitely not how people would expect when they hear the term aria you know Mm -hmm. I think that's really Mm -hmm. interesting how you do that but that leads really nicely into Wine God which was Mm. your show that I very much enjoyed working with you on last year. Um, so Wine God is a show that you've described as a contemporary performance ritual tracing mm. the ancientness of queer identity. Can you tell us, well, I keep saying us, it's just me, I'm just in a room on my yeah. own. <laughs> Can you tell me more about that impulse to look at ancient queer history and just tell us more about the show and, and why you wanted to make it? Mm. Well. Um, so Wine God grew out of a previous project, uh, where I was making work, um, as part of Queens of the Underworld, uh, which was mm-hmm. a kind of, uh, collaboration and sometimes ensemble led by myself and the artist Gwendolyn. So we, we were working and kind of looking at similar themes, like these ancient mythologies and things, but not necessarily, um, Dionysus Bacchus. Uh, which was focused on Wine God, but we were we were mm-hmm. looking at some connected things. So it kind of grew out of working and ma- and making material around that. But uh, I think part of the impulse to be making it was that there was something about the the deity of Dionysus that I sort of saw myself in from things that I've been reading um, mm. on a lot of levels, like a bodily level and like the things which they represent so can you just quickly just define or just tell us quickly who Dionysus is or was for yeah. someone who might not have heard so Dionysus um was the the, the ancient uh god of, they, they basically the show is called wine god and it's like oh everyone knows or not everyone but if, if people might have heard of Dionysus as a kind of god of wine of, of the party mm. and you know that's how, how this figure has been presented to us <clears throat> but if mm-hmm. you go into it it's uh, they're more a kind of deity representing this like transgression and things which are kind of which you might 
talk about in contemporary ways as being kind of queer amorphous Mm -hmm. you know their followers were very these like sort of sexually liberated people Mm. and 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 like a lot of there's a lot of like uh blurring of kind of genders and like transgressing of kind of norms and and Mm. flowing and 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 change and change you know it's it's these sort of things which and, and and later you kind of see with Christianity's coming to the fore, all these aspects of, of humanity then become characterized as kind of demonic or evil. So yeah, I guess there was this kind of those sort of themes themes at play, I suppose. And and, mm. and that's what drew me in. And yeah, I wish to kind of uncover those things which are kind of been lost or intentionally obscured and representing it to people and being like, you know, because I think especially with with a lot of the discussion around like queerness and particularly around um, gender and like trans identity and things like that, you know, Mm. a lot of the people who are like right wing or these people will often say like, oh, it's like this modern phenomenon, Mm. you know, and and and, and it's like this new invention. And, you know, we always did all right with two genders, this sort of, this sort of thing when actually it's, and you know, these are kind of, very you know these things have been part of civilization for you know centuries yeah uh, and millennia you know since there were people and it's it's kind of yeah like I guess that was like an an impulse and like you say those things I think you're absolutely right I think it's you know queer and trans identities just like all identities have yeah been around like you said since they were people mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you said something really interesting to me when we were making the show because I was doing some dramaturgy with you is mm. that you were saying that when you look to queer history or you know queer icons or idols you sort mm. of the the furthest a lot of people go back is maybe the 60s but actually there's this big long trace that lots of people don't know about mm, that mm-hmm. and you know Dionysus is is one of those I guess queer gods queer icon but there's a queer icon but <laughs> gods icons I'm all of them but um the you know colonialism has also mm. been responsible for yeah, disrupting absolutely. that and hiding that and oppressing it oh, so uh, and was that so was that a kind of was that something that was intentional to you right from the beginning or was that something that became more obvious as you started to write and make the show? Mm. Um, I don't know. You know, it's so hard sometimes to think back, like, especially because that show had quite like a long, uh, like off and on kind of development process, like really like, you know, drawn out. but yeah, I think it's it's a you know you unco- uncover more and more. Like I, I, I think I was you know you you get drawn to something quite like intuitively or like feelingly, and mm-hmm. then maybe it's only kind of later on during the process that it becomes apparent what you're working with. And I think um, I don't, I don't know a lot of the work that we <clears throat> we did together was about like. clarifying and kind of Mm. bringing some of those things to like the the forefront and like clarifying the the intent um Mm. as well 
Yeah, because I suppose because when you were drawing from such rich history mm, with mm-hmm. so much mythology and mm. you know cultural um, references, it's mm-hmm. like, oh well, where do we find the through line and the thing mm, that? Mm. Why is this story important yeah. to say now? Yeah. And I think for me, what from what where I was sitting, it was about that unearthing of a history that more people should know about, but that can yeah. also serve as a kind of solace or inspiration to a lot of young queer people mm-hmm. who feel like uh, histories are untethered, but they're not untethered, they're there. They've just been intentionally erased or hidden. Yeah, I think you know? I think the an important thing is with the fact of, like, erasure is that, like... It, it's almost, especially when you're going back as far as something like Dionysus, that it becomes impossible to <clears throat> actually just uncover things. It's about yeah. kind of doing the imaginative work yeah, um, with the material that you do have available. And totally. so, you know, sometimes it's not about exactly about like thinking in terms of oh, well, this is fact, this is fact. It's like taking the facts and being like, well, you know, kind of creating a, a, an imagined version because the the the, the literal one is, is impossible to uncover. But that's so exciting as well, you know. Cassette Tape Radio is a mixtape style podcast by Talia Randall. Each episode is totally different to the next. It's surreal and experimental. We've got songs about fax machines. Mel Gibson was trying to play Super Mario with me in a windowless room. I dreamt I met a man who called his bumhole Barbara. I dreamt I gave birth to a baby made of paper clips. A brand new musical genre. Electro crud. A new musical genre. Electrocrud. Imagine that the entire youth population of the home counties are all on acid and all of them are sharing one cigarette in a yurt on the Sunday morning of a festival. Electrocrud. We even have poetry. Proverbs for a woman drinking alone. If a woman drinks undisturbed in a forest, does she even exist? A man walks into a bar and ruins the woman's evening. as well as interviews from legendary talent, including the literal godfather of hip-hop. Poetry before us was kind of quiet. You know, you might have had tea and crumpets, you know, and sat around and maybe whispered to each other. You Mm -hmm. didn't talk too loud. And then we put uh, 
brass knuckles on it and punch you in the face with poetry. Mm. We gave it a rowdy sound. You know, we, we turned up the volume. Join me in the randomness and search Cassette Tape Radio wherever you get your podcast, babes.